Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about winter wheat herbicides. But if you've got any questions for us, we would be more than happy to answer those. You can email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute to answer some of those questions. You can also call us, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So Darren and I were just out doing a bunch of filming for our Ag PhD TV show today. And it's hard to believe this is our 25th season of Ag PhD. With Ag PhD Radio here, we've been on for, I think it's nine years now. Uh, time flies, but we enjoy what we do every day, just talking agronomy with things even like this, with winter weed herbicides. Unfortunately, we still see a lot of weeds out in fields, and we have a way to kill pretty much every weed in pretty much every crop. So if you ever have a problem where you go, boy, I just can't figure out how to get this weed stopped, let us know. That's that's what we are here for. We want to go through those things because our passion is ag. And we just know this. When you do well on your farm, your community does well, your local area does well, rural America, rural Canada, we do well. It's tremendous. So I, I just say, if you got any wheat herbicide questions, let us know today. Otherwise, we'll talk about this. I mean, almost once a month, we're talking about wheat and what we can do in terms of killing weeds out there. So the biggest thing I would say is if we can start clean and have something out there for residual, we're usually far ahead. If it's a broadleaf that's a problem, let's say it's kochia or some winter annuals or something, just start with sharpen. It is so fantastic. Use the two ounce rate of sharpen, and I know it costs nine or 10 bucks, but it's not that bad. And then you've got residual for a month or two. You also have excellent burn down with the sharpen. You certainly could go with prepare where you get a little bit of broadleaf activity, a little bit of grass activity. You could either very late pre or very early post use some Zidua or Anthem Flex that has that same ingredient that's in Zidua. Uh, Anthem Flex also contains AIM for burn down and, and some emerged weed control because Zidua is a group 15. All it does is gives you residual control. So if you're looking for a different mode of action, you can go with something like that. When it comes to winter weed herbicides, we often talk as well about Olympus, um, which basically the old Maverick uh, outrider. Uh, we've got then PowerFlex, that's the newer chemistry, not quite as much residual as Olympus, or certainly as the, the outrider, the old Maverick, but PowerFlex, excellent product too. So we've got a bunch of these these herbicides that are pretty good on some of the tougher weeds like like downy brome. So anyway, we'll be talking about winter wheat herbicides throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, I've got soil tests and also a manure sample for you. This one comes in from Cameron out in Colorado. He said, hey, guys, uh, I've got soil tests and uh, available fertility source information here for you. My goal is I'm trying to raise 29 tons per acre of corn silage. 
I plant 119-day hybrid, about 33,000 population, and I've got this 75-acre field I'm trying to manage. So i got 4,000 gallons of manure I can put on per acre. That's going to deliver roughly about uh, 17.4 pounds of N, 24.2 pounds of K. Oh, it's lagoon water, I'm sorry. Uh, and 1.4 pounds of sodium over all 75 acres. I'm just wondering, I've got 160 pounds of N out there for my soil test and figuring I'm going to get some out of my organic matter. How much more urea should I be using on 75 acres? When is the best time to fertigate it? What do you think about V10? Uh, and uh, I think that's about it at this point. Okay, so a couple of things. Just like how we want to see a detailed soil analysis, in other words, a complete soil test where you get the macronutrients, the micronutrients, pH, base saturation, all that stuff, we want a, a detailed report on manure. So with this test, I don't know how much is first year available. I don't see sodium separate from salts because that was one of the things in his question. And Darren, check me if I'm wrong here, but doesn't it say sodium slash salts? Well, sodium and salts are two different things. And so part of the reason why I bring that up specifically is on the soil test, you're at 4.8% sodium, which means you're already losing yield due to excess sodium. The, the cation exchange capacity is only 15, so it's a medium texture soil. But if this is one report I've got, and I don't know how big the field is. So my concern here is, do we have some hot spots out there of 12% sodium and some other areas where it's 2%? I don't know. If this is a composite test, I'd strongly encourage you to do some more grids or zones, smaller grids or zones, something. Do some more testing and find out where you have a major problem with the sodium because 4.8's super concerning to me. And a lot of times when I see 4.8, I say, that's it. We're done. No more manure, no more lagoon water, nothing, because I'm so worried that we're we're going to continue making our bad problem worse. So to answer the nitrogen question specifically, you're already sitting there with 195 pounds of nitrogen. So with urea, and because I think the question was about urea, I like urea timing as soon before I... Or, not very long before I need it. In other words, I don't want to put it out in the fall and I don't need to tell spring. Not with urea, no way, because you're going to have that nitrogen in the nitrate form soon and there's too much risk for loss, especially on a medium or light textured soil. So I would wait until right when I'm planting or even later. I'd also say when we start talking about just livestock in general, there are two different things. It's grain or it's silage. And if we're after silage, we want to make sure we're never running short on nitrogen and we almost want to be a little a little on the high side in the beginning. With grain, you can starve the plant a little bit for nitrogen early. I'm not saying totally starve it, don't get me wrong, but I am saying it could come a little bit later when you apply your nitrogen. So it depends on if we're talking silage or grain corn here, but we love fertigation. And quite frankly, if I have that ability, that's how I'm doing most of my nitrogen, knowing that 195 pounds is already sitting in the ground. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk wheat herbicides right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and talking about herbicides for use in winter wheat. And these herbicides, a lot of them that we're talking about could be used in spring wheat or other crops too. So we'll we'll talk about that just a little bit and we'll talk about some target weeds that you may have in other crops as well. You may get some ideas on that. Uh, let's start off uh, in a different part of our state in South uh, Central, I'd say, South Dakota. Got our friend Lee Lubers on right now to talk a little bit about it. Lee, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's first of all, how's harvest going in your area? Are you guys getting started? Uh, we're still, we think about maybe ten days off, close to it. Sure, sure. Uh, with with winter wheat for for growers raising winter wheat, we get a lot of questions about pre-emerge herbicides. We didn't used to have a lot of choices. We got a few choices out there now. Uh, have you made use of Sharpen or Prepare or anything different for a, a pre-emerge on wheat? Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, we had a piece of ground when we rented it. It had a wild oats problem, and uh, by getting a little creative, we were able to get it get it under control. Yeah, when you've got a piece of ground that has a weed control issue, uh, I know for us, a lot of times we figure we're not going to get it in one year, but we know that first year is going to be bad. Uh, we, we were kind of talking about that too. We, we were working with uh, a dairy that cleaned out the bottom of an old lagoon, and my goodness, did we have some weed control issues in, in those areas with our standard rates. So doing a little extra is a, an important thing. You know, when you think about wild oats, it, it's so much worse than foxtails. There are a few choices post-emerge. Are the post-emerge choices still helping if you can kind of thin it out a little bit, or are you starting to see any resistance issues yet? Uh, we had the best results going more with the pre-program uh, versus post. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, starting out clean is important, and that's a good thing with wheat is it, you can choke out a lot of weeds. How about kochia? Do you guys fight much of that, or have you got it under control with uh, with the rotation you use? 
we're able to handle it where it's not an issue, but it's never going away. And uh, these newer multi-mode chemistries are really keeping it in place and keeping it out of the field. Uh, we even noticed uh, our stubbles this year, it's been dry here, and how clean our stubbles are still staying from when we did our post-spring this spring. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I was thinking about, too, in, in your geography, just the, the different management strategies that you use. How about planting date? When it comes to winter wheat, uh, I know you've gotten caught before where, where you haven't been able to get into to weather as everybody has. Uh, do you have a certain go-to date? And then is there an absolute stop date? Or are you willing to throw some dry seed out there, too? Uh, we have our optimum time up to October 10th. We feel is probably our best yield potential, but if weather pushes us past that, we'll keep going. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear how guys do this and, and do it a little bit differently. Uh, we were talking about nitrogen earlier and about how much you want to have out early. Are you guys into fall nitrogen, or do you like to kind of see what the crop makes and then add some more later? Uh, we haven't really been pushing the fall nitrogen. Uh, traditionally, we are applying it just as the frost is going out or just right after green up. Sure, sure, yeah. it's uh, Everybody does it just a little bit differently out there. And I, I know uh, some of the guys that do a, a lot of fertility in the fall uh, say they, they oftentimes get a few more weeds coming too. So that, that could be uh, part of the strategy too to try and keep things down. Uh, well, Lee, uh, I'll let you run. Good luck to you as you guys get started into into corn and soybeans here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Hey, thanks a lot. You bet. Let's head over to Illinois. we got Stephen out with us with a question right now. Stephen, how are you doing? Yes, how are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. What can we do for you? Um, I have a question about soil tests general. Um, I'm raising some grass hay for my cattle, and I went and got a, a did a soil test and sent it in. And it was, they were like 25 bucks for each sample. You know, and I thought that that was crazy because, you know, I was doing four per acre, you know, and all of a sudden you can be $500, not as well just go buy hay somewhere, you know. Um, and also my test didn't have nitrogen on it, but it's got a whole line of other stuff. Interesting. So, so, uh, so, Stephen, yeah. I, I would just say if you want to send us your soil tests, we'd be more than happy okay. to take a look at those. The $25 is actually pretty common, and some are even higher oh, okay. than that, if you're running a complete test that's running DTPA analysis. So we've switched See, that's to— that's what I made. Mean. Yeah. I might have made a mistake and did. I didn't well, know, and then someone was yeah. telling me that they got a short one for you just for, like— PK and, and, you know, and well, in, the main things. Okay, instead, what we would suggest, run a Malik 3 test. That should only cost 10 or $12 an acre, something like that, maybe 15 at the okay. most. It's a different extraction method, and some people don't like it, but we think it's fantastic. So it, that would be a little cheaper test to run. I'd also say that the smallest size that we've ever run on our farm for a grid or a zone has been one acre. <laughs> I mean, if you're down to a quarter of an acre, now granted, it all depends on what you're trying to do, and it's fine to do it one right. time. Uh, it's not the end of the right. world. But what we would say no. is now start putting the like grids together. So now you might be able to cut down, I don't know how many total samples you ran, but let's say you ran 20, you might be able to cut it down to four in the future. Well, that, and then you run a Malik gotcha. three, well, now you're not spending much money at all. Gotcha. 
And I was just wondering if, if it's worth it for, for a grass hayfield. It's worth it for anything that you're raising. I don't care if it's grass hay. Okay. I don't care what crop it is. It's worth it to soil test. Now, I'm not saying it's worth okay. it to spend a zillion dollars, but to right, run a right, few right. soil tests, absolutely. Because then it yeah. helps us manage that better because most people don't think about grass hay as a crop. I do, because the more grass yeah, hay you too. raise, the more tons you've got, the better better cattle production you have, or the yeah. less hay you have to buy somewhere else. So, no, we want to run some tests. Now, as far as the nitrogen goes, some labs don't run that automatically because they just figure, well, the farmer doesn't care anyway because he's always going to put nitrogen on anyway. I still okay. kind of like to know, but, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, in grass hay, it's kind of hard to overdo it on nitrogen. I, I mean, you could, okay. but I, I'm not that worried about it because hay, grass hay can take a lot of nitrogen, and you could literally put some nitrogen out at least a little bit every month, and yeah. that grass hay would probably use it up. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. That's what I was, see, that's what I was sort of worried about, you know, sure. if I was missing something drastic that I didn't want to, you yeah. know, I wanted to make sure I caught yeah. up with that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to just send us your, your soil tests, we'd be more than happy to take a look at them. Our email's radio at agphd.com, and then we can get back to you on that and see what we find out. agphd.com. Okay. Yep. I appreciate radio. your help. Yep. yep. You bet. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, he had a great question there, though. Is it worth it for grass hay? And this is something we talk about here on the show quite often. Anything you are raising, treat it like it's your very best crop, like you love it. It's kind of interesting when Darren and I go down south, a lot of people will say, well, my heart is in cotton, and they put all their energy toward that. Here in the northern United States, well, for a lot of guys, oh, my heart is in corn, and then, you know, they don't let's say, spend as much time treating the soybeans as good as they treat the corn. Well, I, I mean, just look at today's commodity prices. And even let's look at what hay prices are today. Everything's worth a lot. I, I mean, treat the crop well, and it's probably going to pay a lot of dividends for you on your farm. All right, Brian, kind of a little follow-up question to an earlier one that we had. This one comes in from Johan, who said, guys, when my irrigation water is high in pH, do I need to address the irrigation water, or can I address it with the soil with drainage and adding things like sulfur or gypsum? Um, I'd probably look at both. Is it possible to do nothing with that irrigation water, keep throwing it out there, and continue to manage it? Of course it is, but you got to stay on it. And, but unfortunately, what usually happens is by the time we see soil tests, we go, whoa, what in the world happened here? We got a major problem. Well, you can't fix that overnight. So as long as you're constantly monitoring that and addressing it in your soil, for the most part, you're probably going to be okay. But it is a lot easier if you aren't throwing as high a pH water out or, or whatever else is in that water that's causing the imbalance in the soil to raise the pH. We'll be back talking about winter wheat herbicides, but also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. 
no, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about winter wheat herbicides, also getting into some interesting calls and questions. If you're thinking, hey, I got some other questions for you, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to get right back into a call from a listener here in just a second, but we've got Christy Sprague on right now at Michigan State first. Christy, thanks for joining us today. Hi, how is everybody today? Well, pretty good. It's a busy time of year. A lot of stuff going on out in the fields, and soon it will be time to get some herbicides out ahead of winter wheat. Are you seeing pre-emerge herbicide use on the rise in wheat crops? Um, we're seeing a lot of kind of more burndown type herbicides, so those the sharpen. Um, in our area in Michigan, we haven't done a lot with, or we have not seen a lot of movement towards using pre's. But we do have a lot of post-fall applications that do go out. 
Yeah, I consider Sharpen as one of those pre's, and I know it really helps in the burn yeah. down too, but you do get some residual out of that on some of these tough broadleaves. Yeah. Are, are you guys more concerned about broadleaf weeds in your wheat, or are there some tough grasses too? Um, the primary concern is some of those winter annual broadleafs, but we have seen a emergence of some of those tougher winter annual grasses, like um, annual bluegrass, we've got some rough stock bluegrass, and then also up in part of our region, we have windgrass. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's fun to talk to, to folks in different uh, geographies just to get into, okay, what are the problem weeds? So what can you do with those those tough grasses have got to be uh, uh, a focus. Once you see some of those, you just don't want them to spread. Yeah, definitely. And we've had some really good results um, with um, some of those post-emergence fall application. So basically waiting until the wheat's about to that two to three leaf stage. And we've had some really good luck with things like Osprey and PowerFlex for some of those different um, grass species that we've been running into problems with. Um, there is uh, the label for Zidua, and we have done a little bit of work with that and have seen some good control on some of those uh, tougher control grasses also. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up, is I'm wondering how that group 15 is going to do, if that's going to be enough on those. We've, we've heard some guys say Italian ryegrass, that's been really good, but but we haven't really dealt with uh, group 15s and, and some of those tough uh, winter annual grasses as well, so you kind of have to almost try that out and see. So that's where I love it, Christy, when you can try that out on a uniform university plot rather than me try it out of my farm exactly exactly we get get the opportunity to compare a lot of different things okay now one thing that we do hear a lot about is all right post-emerge we've really got group ones and group twos in wheat are they still holding out in michigan or are you seeing some cracks in the armor in general um we don't have a lot of issues with group one herbicides and we don't usually use a whole lot in our wheat um, just because of uh, the winter wheat and some of the weed problems that we have. But uh, with the group twos, probably the biggest thing is some of the ALS resistant um, horseweed or mare's tail. So that's where we really have to focus on using something different. So we use a lot of things like Husky and Talonor and um, Culex to try to manage some of that glyphosate resistant mare's tail that's out there. And also ALS resistance. Speak about the Culex just a little bit. We, we've had a lot of questions around that, that new active ingredient that they've got in there because we're starting to see that used in a, a few different combo products, uh, the uh, Elevor or Arlex Active. Uh, what have you seen with that so far from, uh, from our geography? There's been a lot of excitement around it. How about in Michigan? In Michigan, we've seen that it's, it's worked pretty well with most of our uh, weed broadleaf weed problems that we do have in um, winter wheat. So that's been kind of one of uh, additional to some of those, um, you know, like the uh, Husky or Talonor that have the bleachers in there. So it, it gives us some additional uh, herbicide modes of action. So there's there's been a little bit of use. We haven't seen a whole lot of use in the state yet, but we could see that coming up in the near future considering it's a fairly new product. You bet. Uh, we're talking with Christy Sprague here at Michigan State University. Christy, thank you so much. Really appreciate hearing what's going on up there and and uh, unfortunately having to hear about some more tough winter annual grass weeds out there, but uh, glad to hear you're on top of it, and thanks for sharing the information. Yep, no problem. Thank you. Let's head a little further south in our country down to southern Alabama. Got Louise on with us right now with a weed control question. Louise, how are you doing? Hey, I'm fine. How you doing? 
We are doing well. I understand you got some challenging weeds to get under control, though. Well, I'm trying to kill one weed with another weed. <laughs> and I have mixed. I have Mexican clover. Okay. That's what I have discovered this stuff is. It's taken over my lawn. Okay. And I have found Harry Veach, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Yep. And it's a annual crop, a cover crop, and I'm thinking maybe it would kill that clover. And just that choke it out. You know, when does, the, when does the Mexican clover get started? Does it come in in the it spring? It starts in the spring. Okay. You pull it up, it comes right back. You can never get the root. Ah, yes, that's frustrating. You know, once it gets established, then uh, you're going to see the, some of that pop up. So you're hoping you can get a cover crop in in the fall and just completely choke it out? That's what I'm wanting to do. Will that work? Well, it's certainly worth a try. There's no doubt about that because yeah. uh, – like you say, that's that's a tough weed. You're you're not gonna get not gonna get it by hand. That's for sure. No. So a lot of times when we have clovers in lawns, we'll end up spraying mesotrione or uh, tenacity is the name the name brand product that could be used in lawns. Uh, tenacity. So mesotrione is the active ingredient. We've also had pretty good luck with drive. Uh, quinclorac is the active ingredient there. And then the other thing that we just commonly do in our lawns around here, around our farm, is a high rate of 2,4-D. The new one, Freelex, doesn't volatilize, but you have to go with the very highest labeled rate multiple times because clover is pretty tough. So those are the products, Correct. those are the herbicides that we'll typically use. And I, I mean, we can generally get clover knocked out of there. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing, but that's typically what we'll do. And yeah, you can certainly try this cover crop if you want to, and maybe that does it. Well, I figured nothing ventured, nothing gained, you yeah. know? <laughs> I'll tell you I what. Mean, I mean, with this stuff. Yep. I'll tell you what. Let us know how that turns out. We'd be, we'd be pretty curious. Okay. I'll let you know next spring. Sounds great. Thanks, Louise. Appreciate okay. the call. Thank you. You bet. Mm, bye-bye. Yeah, it's interesting with cover crop. A lot of people are concerned about holding soil in place and, and leaving something out there for all the microbes in the soil. And those are really good benefits of cover crops. But I love the angle uh, here. Hey, let's let's focus on weed control. If we can get something established before uh, something that's going to come up in the spring even tries to, to get out of the ground, that, that could be a nice method of control too. Uh, Brian, get this one that can't – oh. Sorry, got this one that came in here from Robert, and he said, guys, uh, you were talking about corn on corn and using strip till, and there were guys in our area that used to be putting on a little bit of nitrogen early, trying to break down stubble. Uh, but what do you think about that as part of the, the residue breakdown in these continuous crop situations? Do you think we can still be effective even at today's expensive nitrogen uh, prices because I'd really Wait. like to get that nitrogen available for this year's crop. Wait, go go back. So I don't know if I fully understand the question. So they're here. putting out 40 to 50 pounds of nitrogen in the form of, of uh, UAN to try to decompose yeah, stubble. So, so liquid 28%, they're going out spraying some nitrogen. That's fine to do as long as you don't already have excess in those stocks. So let's say you had a bunch of carryover and drought conditions, whatever, adding more nitrogen is not going to help if you already have a bunch. But a lot of times we'll throw nitrogen out and some sulfur when we are short on nitrogen and sulfur because that will help speed the breakdown. Anyway, go ahead. 
what was the rest of it? Was, didn't you say strip till? Well, yes. Because when you throw even a little bit of dirt out there, just a little bit, that really helps. And you get more of those enzymes and more of this soil, bacteria, and fungi working on stuff. So just even a, that little bit of dirt that throws in between the rows, that makes a big difference. The other part of it is, will that nitrogen come available or will it all get tied up with uh, the bacteria and microbes that well, are trying short, to break that residue Yeah, out? in the short term, it is going to get tied up, but that's a good thing because if it wasn't tied up, then you're at risk for loss. So when will it come back available? Well, it's when that residue all breaks down. So you're talking maybe mid-summer next year, something like that. So it's actually, or it should work out fairly decent. Yeah, the other alternative, some growers would try to inject the nitrogen down below the residue, leave the residue Absolutely. alone. But if yep. you want to get that residue broken down, it's better to go after it right away. Hey, thanks for the, the question and the comment, Robert. Really appreciate that. We'll get back to the winter wheat discussion right after this. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. If we only had 20 words to talk about Ag Biome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get maximum seed to soil contact and maximum germination with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Plus, with 10% off while supplies last, you can fully upgrade your planter for less. Just go to farmshopmfg.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're talking about winter wheat herbicides. It's been kind of fun to talk to folks in the plains, talk to folks, uh, uh, Christy Sprague up at Michigan State. Uh, now let's head out to the Pacific Northwest. We've got Kirk Sager with FMC with us right now. Kirk, thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Darren, thanks for having me today. I'm glad to be on. All right, we're talking about weed control in winter weed, and I guess I have to start with what are the primary weeds that you're trying to control, and why do you want to see them under control in the fall? So I think, you know, we'll start with the easy button, which is anthem flex herbicide for control of your winter annual grasses and, and pretty heavy suppression of your winter annual broadleaf weeds. Um, in wheat, moisture is probably your biggest key component. And by getting anthem flex out there in the fall ahead of the wheat germination, they're less competitive. They don't use any winter moisture. So you've got that moisture safe for crops. It results in better yields and uh, better crop quality. You know, that's a great point, Kirk. And a lot of times guys say, well, we're losing yield from weeds, but where is that yield loss coming from? Well, in dry parts of the world, it's moisture conservation. You're exactly right. If we let those weeds get up and get big, we're going to have problems. If we can use something that can control them as they're germinating, that's pretty fantastic. Um, That is a great tool. And and this year with the drought and the PNW, parts of the PNW, you know, Controlling your downy brome and your Italian rye, even your right-tail fetch and some of the other grasses, really showed some of that, that classic an inch of moisture gets you five bushels data because we were so limited on moisture. Controlling those weeds before they were competitive was a big bonus. Now, you mentioned suppressing some of those broadleaf weeds, too, and I, I think that's been the neat thing about Anthem Flex. you got two different products in there, two different modes of action working. Um, yeah, you get aim in there for the burn down, um, and that's that's strictly burn down. But what I think when we look at that Anthem Flex label, a lot of times we ignore the weed suppressed, and sometimes they're suppressed because we don't get season long control like we do out of the grasses. But when we take and control a fifty or to eighty percent of those winter annual broadleaves, it makes our in season broadleaf control decisions a lot simpler and a lot more timely. We're not pushing the size of the wheat or the size of the weed. You know, that brings up a good point. A lot of folks say, well, okay, I haven't used any of these pre's or these residuals before. What do you hope to get out of them, Kirk? I I guess I'm asking the question because some farmers say, well, is this the last thing I'm going to have to do, or is it just designed to make it easier for me to control any escapes? So both of those. I think in some instances, um, when you have moderate weed pressure, I'm just going to say that's a loaded comment right there by itself um you can sometimes be a one pass program we're one and done um you know there's other weeds and other pressure situations where we're not going to be a, a one and done control for your broadleaf weeds we're going to have to come in with a 
with a timely broadleaf control, whether it's, you know, Affinity Broad Spec and, and Vermoxenil or one of the other SUs. Um, it makes that timing so we're not pushing the cold weather because the weeds are the right size. We're pushing that weed size farther into the warmer part of the season. So the weed's bigger and the weeds are small the way we like to control them. Yeah, the nice thing about spraying is you can cover a lot of acres in a hurry, but every once in a while guys get caught and they don't get out there and get stuff done timely. What happens if you don't get that herbicide out in the fall on winter wheat? Um, if we don't get it out in the fall and we miss that, it's, it is a, it, as you know, it's a pre-herbicide, so we have to have it out there and incorporate it with moisture before the winter annual grasses and broadleaves germinate. Once they've germinated, we don't have a lot of, we get some reach back, but we don't see the control we need out of a fall herbicide, a fall residual herbicide if we miss that application window. If a guy says, oh, I missed my fall in application window with Anthem Flex in the fall, um, you know, waiting till spring to put it on is not going to be your best interest. We're just going to miss too many weeds. So I tell guys be out early and be out um, ahead of the rain, and that is our best uh, advantage to being on the ground. We've got great photo stability, so we can be out there for 30 days ahead of planting, so we can make sure we maximize that opportunity and that window of application. Yeah, those are great tips. You can get out ahead of that rain. That that really makes a difference to get things activated and, and get them working right, right away in the fall to conserve moisture, to keep those weeds down, and make weed control easier for the whole season. We're talking with Kirk Sager here with FMC out in the Pacific Northwest. Kirk, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Well, thanks for having me. Anytime. You bet. Uh, Brian, you got a, a little different question that came in here in the Ag PhD mailbag. This one came from BG and, and uh, uh, says, recently I've been watching your show. It's extremely good. I did notice today uh, how testing your soil can be very beneficial. Uh, we aren't farmers, but we're flower gardeners, and we mix our vegetable garden in throughout the flower beds, and I try to do rotation, especially tomatoes can really deplete soil nutrient content. Uh, one thing that I noticed on your show, though, is it appears farmers who are mixing chemicals in the sprayer are often only wearing rubber gloves. What types of personal protective equipment do they need to wear? Do they need some type of mask? How dangerous are the chemicals they're using? Are they carcinogenic? Uh, and should farmers be taking more precautions? Well, farmers need to take precautions, but what we encourage people to do is follow the label directions. And if you have special questions on safety, look at the MSDS. So every product has what we call the label, and then it also has the MSDS, or Material Safety Data Sheet. Each product has its own requirements for personal protective equipment, so some do just require gloves. Others require long sleeves. Uh, some may require a respirator. Almost none that we are using, and certainly none that we're using on our farm, uh, do, but almost none in agriculture anymore require respirators for most crop farmers out there. So that's why you don't see uh, masks, uh, respirators, that kind of thing. It's just not required with most of these products because most of them actually are quite safe. Uh, most products that get used on farms are not carcinogenic. And unfortunately, 
there gets to be a lot of stuff, especially with social media anymore. People can literally say anything they want, and if enough people say it, pretty soon people start to believe it. For example, saying that Roundup is carcinogenic? No way. It is absolutely not carcinogenic. That's been proven by every regulatory agency in the world. So no, it's not. And so as long as you're looking at the facts on some of these things, and as long as people are following the label directions and the labeled personal protective equipment, everything should be fine. Thanks for the feedback, BG. Thanks for watching our show too. We really appreciate that. Uh, Brent, got this one from Ken out in California and Washington. And Ken said, uh, life's ever-changing, especially on these California farms. We're working our way through another regulation. They're ending open-air burning. And now for removal of permanent plantings, we have to chip the plant material and either use it for farm products such as mulch and compost, uh, or we've got to do something in terms of composting that so we can use it on our fields. Now, we're barely able to incorporate over six inches of material into the soil, and decomposition is going to be slow and draw on our soil's resources for the next crop. I'm wondering what you've seen out of natural products. Uh, there's one that I've seen called Decomp that that's being used for uh, composting and speeding things up. Yep. We generally add additional nitrogen to help with the carbon-nitrogen ratio. Yes. Could one of those natural products work? Yes. Uh, also, are you, what are you hearing from natural products getting labeled in California or in Washington? Is it less of an issue? Just wondering what you guys have for experience. Yeah, so a lot of the naturals products do get labeled everywhere pretty easily because they're quite safe, obviously, compared to just about anything else. And, and, and for organic production yes. as well as conventional production. Yes, and and states and regulatory agencies are looking for alternatives that are what we would call natural or biological products. So yes, we have seen decomp really help with that breakdown and composting things. So I, I would say this, when you burn, you lose a lot of the nitrogen and then a fair amount of the like 30 or 40% of the P and K as well. So that's why we don't like burning any residue out there. We'd rather compost it or do something with with it so we can reuse those nutrients and not see them go up in the air. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at soilwarrior.com. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll continue in the Ag PhD mailbag, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD and answering emails, radio at agphd.com. Got this one in from Ray up in Winnipeg, Canada. And Ray said, you, I, I understand you guys didn't go through the warm, wet summer that we had up in Manitoba, but one problem we've had having great weather like this is we've had a resurgence in purple loose strife, particularly in wet areas and road allowances. I've looked online to see uh, any times you guys have talked about this. My understanding is it spreads like wildfire, wildfire, crowds out natural habitat for animals, and has no domestic enemies. In our area, I'm supervising the management of a 50-acre urban park, we're also limited in our ability to use herbicides. So how would you handle this weed with herbicide and without? Okay, so Darren and I were talking about this weed during the break, and I I just, I called it a tree. I'm like, well, it's, I guess it's technically not a tree, it's a bush, but it just looks like a tree because it can get big and it has no competition usually along the, the shore banks. So along rivers, like in South Dakota here, that's usually where we see it, where there's nothing else growing, but it will grow in a foot or two of water, they say. So... Anyway, if you want to stop this weed, you could certainly go out and just pull it by hand when it's small or cut it by hand when it's bigger. And if we're only talking 50 acres and it's a park, that may be your best bet. Now, if you want to use a herbicide, the two that get talked about all the time, one is the aquatic labeled glyphosate. So that'd be like Rodeo, for example, is the name brand product. Or you could use Garland, that's triclopyr that's labeled on it too. There are other triclopyr formulations, but Garland is the one that is labeled for wetland sites. So in both cases, you've got widely used products with specific labels, and that's why it's Garland 
Medicine and it's Rodeo rather than saying, oh, it's Remedy Ultra or Roundup. But both of those products will work. Keep in mind with the Roundup, that'll kill everything, or at least all the weeds that aren't resistant. Whereas Triclopyr, that does not kill grass. So if let's say there was some grass around you wanted to save, then Garland is absolutely the way to go. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, oh, I should say too, both glyphosate and triclopyr, neither one of them have any soil residual. So there's nothing to worry about in the future. Uh, but by the same token, that means you have to spray often. All right. Got this question in from Tama. Hey guys, I've got my hands full this year with squash vine borer. And I'm looking for some help on this one. I love your show. Uh, I know this one isn't a common one for you and your crops. Hey, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate that. And, you know, one of the challenges when you've got larvae of a bug that feed inside stems is you've got to get that bug under control as soon as you see the adults. So that's something that that has been seen doing a couple of treatments, trying to control them and hitting the adults. So different pyrethroids can be really effective. Uh, anything from a first generation like permethrin uh, or even a third generation pyrethroid like bifenthrin. No problem. We can kill them. The challenge is where's the bug at? If it's already inside the stem, you just aren't going to get them under control. So that's going to be the big thing. So yeah, you can find uh, those types of products or those active ingredients, permethrin or bifenthrin in home and garden stores, in hardware stores, or uh, or if you happen to be a farmer, you may already be using those active ingredients trying to control bugs in other crops too. So timing is really the big thing. They only generally have one generation per year. So as soon as you start seeing some of those adults get after it, and many of the universities will recommend a second treatment a week to two weeks later for any late emergers as well. Hey, thanks, Tamo. Really appreciate the question. All right, Brian, got a herbicide one for you here. This one comes in from Andrew. He said, guys, uh, I'm in northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, I practice no-till, but I am willing to change if I need to on a small scale to try something new. My biggest weed problems are glyphosate-resistant mare's tail, although this year it wasn't so bad, and giant foxtail in my oats. So I've got soybeans and oats that I'm raising here. I've got some different weeds that are tough to control. So here's what I've been doing. I've been doing a full farm burn down in early to mid-April. Again, I'm in northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm using 48 ounces of glyphosate, spray volume 5 gallons. I'm considering upping my spray to 20 gallons per acre and adding in glyphosate on each pass that I'm making when I can. What do you think about, for, I got many questions here, but first one, what do you think about spray volume and glyphosate? Yep. Don't ever go over 10 gallons per acre. Less water is better because you'll have a more concentrated droplet. Okay. Uh, next thing, my soybeans, what I'm putting out for a pre, I'm using Metribuzin and I'm using Valor, That's good. That's but then good. I'm mixing 2,4-D ester in at a pint per acre, trying to get some burn down on things like the mare's tail, for example. Okay. Do you like that mix or would you suggest something different? Well, as long as it's an enlist crop, but here's the reason why I don't like that. According to the label on the 2,4-D, you've got to spray it at least a week before planting. Whereas if you use Enlist 1, now you can spray it all the way up until planting or even after planting as long as you have no emergence on the crop. And you, sure, you can spray Enlist 1 post-emerge, but I'm just saying if you throw that together with your Valor and your Metribuzin, because both do have activity on the mare's tail, so I'm great with all that. But here's really what you need to do. 
you got to spray this fall. Just use a really high rate of 2,4-D and not some little pint rate or quart rate. I'm talking quarts, multiple quarts per acre. Use the highest labeled rate and you will have excellent control in that mare's tail and it will be gone come spring. Yeah, and you can mix the, the Flumiaxes in or the Valor right with it. You can go up to four sure. ounces in the fall sure. and you'll have great residual yep. on that. You'll do a nice job on the, yep. the mare's tail. And then in terms of uh, that mix for your soybean um pre-emerge herbicide, add in some prowl. Pendimethalin really helps on the grass. If you've got some grass control issues like giant foxtail, for example, you can do a really nice job in the soybean end of your rotation yep. so you don't have to fight it so and, much in your oats. And that prowl could be used in the fall as well. You could do prowl, valor, and a super high rate of 2,4-D, and you will wipe out your mare's tail, and you will have fantastic residual going into the spring. Okay, then the oats question. Oh, uh, well, the other question on the burndown was, since we're spraying in early to mid-April, sometimes it's getting kind of cold, uh, yep. like 40-degree nights, even though the days might not be too bad yep, for highs. Well. What do you think about adding AIM in? Will that be enough sure. help on the mare's tail? It won't be enough help, no. Will it help? Yes. Okay, then he had the question on the oats and giant foxtail. There's nothing to kill foxtail in oats, but... I would say you he's could doing, use... He's doing a pre with mesotrium. That's what I was just going to say. You can use Callisto at the full three-ounce rate, and that will at least suppress some of your well, foxtails. He said he's using six ounces of meso. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend that because you're going to have carryover. So that's why I call three ounces of full rate. So if you're going six ounces and you're still not getting the foxtail, there's nothing you can do. What? But you got to make sure that going into the season, you have this perfect control. So that's why Darren said, hey, for soybeans, you need the prowl in there. For corn, you got to make sure you have every, just literally every crop you're raising prior to when you get to oats, you've got to have that perfectly clean for grass. And when you do that, then generally this is not that big an issue. Get the oats started, get it established, and then hopefully it's going to choke out the, the foxtail. That, that's our best suggestion. And yeah, there on my farm, no possible chance I'm ever using six ounces of Callisto because I'm worried about the crop rotation. If you're going to corn or some crop that Callisto doesn't negatively impact, fine. But otherwise, I'd really worry about that. Okay. And this kind of leads into that next question that I had from Jerry in Minnesota. And he said, guys, you talk a lot about fall herbicides in uh, certain situations, especially in no-till, reduced till. I'm conventional till here in Minnesota. Are fall herbicides still something I need to be concerned about? Or if I did fall tillage, is that enough? Well, you don't have to use a herbicide in the fall when you're in conventional till because you're killing all the weeds in the fall. But if you want to get ahead come spring, so I'll just give you the example of our own farm. We do some fall herbicide applications when we have time each year, using in front of corn, a group 15, in front of soybeans, it'll be like a Valor Prowl or Valor Trifluralin, and we till it in or something like that. But anyway, the point is this. When it's spring, it's go time, and we know that early planting pays. But a lot of people, well, and maybe for you, you might be a one-man show. Well, if, you, if it's your job to plant and to spray, which one's going to take precedence? Well, of course, you're going to keep planting, and then all of a sudden you're behind on the spraying. So that's why fall spraying can be pretty nice in that situation. Is it necessary? No, but it definitely helps spread that workload out, and then you don't have so much to do come spring. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about fall weed spraying, and it certainly can be a help on your farm. If you get specific questions, specific weeds or situations, you can always let us know, radio at agphd.com.
Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.